In the Old Testament book of Obadiah, the Lord takes direct aim at Edom's pride, which soared as high as eagles fly, because they lived in a lofty place in the clefts of the rock, in a place they thought was fortified against their enemies. Esau's descendants believed they were incapable of being conquered. Their national slogan could have been, we are strong, we are invincible, we are Edom. However, they met their match in the Lord, who despises pride and brings low those who think too highly of themselves. Are you living like a proud Edomite? Humble yourself before the Lord before it's too late. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 warns, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. began as a sibling rivalry. It culminated, generations later, in a declaration of war. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian, thanks for stopping by. Well, the bad blood between Jacob and his older brother Esau is one of the more well-known stories in the Old Testament. And even though the two brothers made amends, a time came when the descendants of Esau sought to destroy the descendants of Jacob. That's when God stepped in, speaking to the Edomites through the prophet Obadiah. Ron takes us there next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand, on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, Obadiah, Sovereign Justice. Family Feud is uh, one of the longest running and most popular game shows on television. Any Family Feud friends or fans here today? Not many, okay. How about, you know, Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy? Okay, a few more hands. The Price is Right. I mean, these are are some long-running, very popular uh, game shows. In fact, uh, in 1976, Mark Goodson created uh, The Family Feud. And it premiered way back then with the legendary host, a guy named Richard Dawson. How many of you remember Richard Dawson? I think he was on Hogan's Heroes for a while, but then he became a game show host. Richard Dawson was the kissing game show host. He kissed all of his female contestants. (laughs) You can't do that today. There's no way. I don't even think they show reruns of Family Feud and Richard Dawson. They canceled him. You know, just the times in which we lived. But it was a popular, and still is a very popular game show. Uh, Lots of fun. It's lighthearted. But real family feuds are serious business, aren't they? Especially when the conflict or the family feud happens between two members of the same family. Now we're into Bible times. And uh, back in the Old Testament, there was a conflict between twin brothers named Esau and Jacob, and that conflict began in their mother's womb. Do you remember that in Genesis chapter 25? 
Esau was the firstborn, but uh, Jacob entered the world as the second child born to Isaac, the promised child, Isaac and Rebekah. And as Jacob was coming into the world, he was reaching up and grabbing onto the heel of his older brother. And from that time forward, he became known as Jacob the heel catcher, the supplanter, Jacob the deceiver. That was Jacob. When the boys were much older, uh, Jacob deceived Esau into giving up his natural birthright and the paternal blessings that came with all of that. Uh, Jacob was uh, kind of a homebody, but his brother Esau uh, loved to hunt. He was kind of an outdoorsman, and he came back from a hunting trip one day, and he was, he was tired, he was weary, he was famished, and he was willing to trade anything to satisfy his hungry flesh, including his inheritance for a pot of red stew prepared by his brother. <laughs> Actually, it was Jacob and their mother, Rebekah, who conspired you know, against Esau and tricked him into giving up his, uh, his birthright. Uh, the, the family itself was kind of a dysfunctional family. Uh, Isaac favored Esau, his firstborn son, but Rebekah preferred uh, uh, Jacob. However, to everyone's surprise, God had chosen Jacob to inherit the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, although in Judaism it was the firstborn son who, who received uh, you know, all of the blessings and carried the significance, but God had a different plan, right? And he chose Jacob. And I believe Jesus probably had this Old Testament story in mind when he was speaking about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 20, and he said, so the last will be first and the first will be last. <laughs> kind of a reversal of fortune, right? Something that only a sovereign God can do in the culture at that time. Well, Esau and Jacob spent most of their lives not speaking to each other, and um, with only a few exceptions, Esau uh, was red-hot angry at Jacob for deceiving him and taking away his uh, birthright and blessing. Jacob feared that his brother would seek revenge. And this family feud ran so deep that even the twins' descendants did not get along for centuries, centuries afterwards. For example, Esau's descendants are known as the Edomites. Uh, you ever read about them in the Bible? You know, the Edomites and the Thisites and all, the, all these different countries. The Edomites, the country of Edom, were the descendants of Esau. Around the time of Moses and the Exodus, the Edomites refused Moses' request to pass through their land on the way to Canaan, the promised land. In fact, Moses just sent the king of Edom a message and says, hey, it's your brother Israel. Jacob had become named Israel. And these were the descendants of Esau and Jacob, the Edomites and the Israelites. And Moses says, hey, king of Edom, it's your brother Israel. Just, just, just let us pass through. The king of Edom said, don't you dare touch our land or we'll attack you. <laughs> I mean, this, this family feud was still going on. Later, the Edomites also opposed Israel's kings, starting with Saul, Solomon, later Jehoshaphat. They actually took up arms, the Edomites did, and fought against King David and rebelled later against Jehoram. Uh, clearly, Esau, from the very beginning, held his hand against his brother Jacob. Now, the Edomites settled in a mountainous region south of the Dead Sea called Mount Seir, of which the capital, 
is a place you maybe you've heard of before called Petra, also known as Sela in the Bible. And Petra is also known as the Rose City for the beautiful red-colored rock from which the builders uh, carved the ancient city. Uh, Petra is uh, nearly impregnable by enemy armies because of this, the single entrance into the city, a narrow crevice called the Seek that meanders for nearly one mile through towering mountain walls. If you've ever been to Petra or you've seen pictures of it, as, as you see in the auditorium right now, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful sight. Uh, it's known as one of the seven wonders of the world. Smithsonian Magazine once said it's one of 28 places you need to visit before you die. <laughs> By the way, we're going to Israel next year with a three-day extension to Jordan, and we're going to Petra. My first time there, and I can't wait to get there, but we're going to open up the book of Obadiah when we get to Petra. About 500 years before the birth of Jesus, the Nabataeans, a, a Bedouin tribe, overtook the Edomites, who at that time withdrew from the region and went to um, a place called Idumea. They became the Idumeans in southern Palestine. Afterwards, Petra grew and became this glorious Arab capital. In time, the Romans overtook it, uh, followed by the Byzantines. Edom disappeared as a nation around 150 BC. The Edomites, the descendants of Esau, were no longer a nation about a century and a half before the birth of Christ. However, some of their descendants, a small number of them, remained in Idumea, and one of their descendants rose to power in 37 BC, about 37 years before the birth of Christ. His name was, are you ready for this? Herod the Great. Herod the Great was an Idumean. He was an Edomite, a descendant of Esau. Esau held his hand against his brother Jacob, and that continued all the way into the first century. Do you remember this part of the Christmas story? Where Herod was so threatened by the, the news of a boy king that was born in Bethlehem, he ordered a holocaust, the murdering of every newborn under the age of two. We don't like to talk about that at Christmas. Come on, Christmas is about candy and sweetness and all that. No, no. This descendant of Esau was out to murder Jesus. It didn't work. But that was Herod the Great. Herod the Great. All of that background helps us understand the book of Obadiah, which is our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Obadiah is the smallest book in the Old Testament with only 21 verses. However, the prophet Obadiah, which we know little about historically, there aren't very many historical references. We don't know who his father was. We don't exactly know where he is from. There's some debate among the scholars as to, you know, how to, how to date the book. And I won't get into all that because it really doesn't affect the interpretation of the book. But Obadiah delivered an important prophecy about the Edomites. It's only 21 verses. You just kind of glance right past it. But he also gave the descendants of Jacob hope that God would eventually pour out his sovereign justice upon any nation that harmed Jacob and his descendants. In other words, the nation of Israel, including those who harmed him from the descendants of Edom, Jacob's older brother. That's what Obadiah is all about. And, and before you think, oh, this is just a, you know, ancient history, <laughs> I'm going to bring it into everyday life in, in a very practical way, what we can learn from the book of Obadiah. 
Uh, let's go to, well, the only chapter. I say chapter one, but let's just go to verse one of Obadiah. And it begins with these stunning words. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Now you know who the Edomites are, right? This prophecy is specifically about the Edomites. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. The Lord is declaring battle against Jacob's older brother and his descendants, the Edomites. Up next, the second half of today's message, Obadiah, Sovereign Justice with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you're listening to Something Good Radio for the first time, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Consider it our way of saying, thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and click the I'm New icon right at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer requests with us by using the Explore feature right at the top of the homepage. That's where you'll find the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. The book of Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament, one chapter. But in those 21 verses, the prophet packs a rather stern punch Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Obadiah, Sovereign Justice. Read on in verse 2. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live, and this is a description of Petra, all right? You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Now you know why I said, you know, tighten up that seatbelt a little bit. This is a pretty stern prophecy. The certainty of Edom's doom could not be stated more clearly. Edom's pride soared as high as eagles fly because they lived in a lofty place in the clefts of the rock, it says in a place they thought was fortified against their enemies. Esau's descendants believed they were incapable of being conquered. Uh, their national slogan could have been, we are strong, we are invincible, we are Edom. But they were full of pride, and they met their match in the Lord, who despises pride and brings low anybody who thinks more highly of themselves. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 come to mind. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Don't let pride be your downfall. Learn from the Edomites. Well, Obadiah um, continues to describe Edom's uh, sure doom, their sure fate. Let's pick it up in verse 5. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasuries sought out. All your allies have driven uh, to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat bread, 
Your bread have uh, set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Taman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Whew. All right, take a deep breath. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. Well, not for the Edomites, but for you and me. Unlike other prophets, Obadiah offers no hope for the Edomites. Absent are any pleas to return to God or any promises for a faithful remnant. If, if uh, this were a scene in a court of law, this would be like the final sentencing after a lengthy trial. The judge brings down the gavel and says, this is what the Lord declares. You say, why? Well, uh, certainly their pride, but there was more to what the Edomites did to their, uh, to their brother Jacob. Let's pick it up in verse 10. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother and the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. What's that all about? While other nations attacked Jacob and his descendants, the nation of Israel, the Edomites laughed from afar. They were within proximity to defend their own family, but they didn't. They did none of that. The Edomites uh, watched as foreigners brought disaster upon disaster upon the Israelites and plundered God's people and the city of Jerusalem by not getting involved in defending their own family. The Edomites were, well, the Bible says, you're like one of them. You're like one of the attacking nations practically gloating over Israel's misfortune. Their smug and malicious satisfaction over Israel's affliction angered the Lord and sealed their fate. And today, a similar attitude toward Israel called anti-Semitism still angers the Lord. This has been going on for a very, very long time. Obadiah links Edom's pride to the impending day of the Lord, beginning in verse 15. We've, we've heard about the day of the Lord up to this point in our study of the minor prophets. Joel, the awesome day of the Lord. You know, he, he really kind of set the pace on that. But almost every uh, Old Testament prophet, uh, major and minor, uh, have something to say about you know, the day of the Lord, that day of uh, awesome judgment that God will bring upon uh, the enemy nations of the earth. Beginning in verse 15 to the Edomites, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. 
But in Mount Zion, a reference to Israel, there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them and there shall be no, listen to this, there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau for the Lord has spoken. In this prophecy, Edom will experience the principle of reciprocity. Did you see it there back in 15 and 16? Obadiah says, as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. And as time went on, travel with me through ancient history to 586 BC. Uh, this was stage three of when the Babylonians came and besieged Judah. It started in 605 BC and then in, in 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came and they, 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 they plundered and, and destroyed Israel and the temple and the Edomites applauded and cheered from afar. there's one takeaway from the book of Obadiah, it's this. God's sovereign justice and his promises will surely prevail. The nation of Israel, along with all those who've put their faith in Christ, will one day get everything God has promised them. If you missed part of today's teaching, or if you'd like to hear it again, visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. All of us need help to accomplish the will of God. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and use the Partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org, or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a monthly partner today, but would like to make a single donation, 
Go to somethinggoodradio.org is our way of saying thanks. We'll give you a copy of a new ebook by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with this series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The fifth in a series of eight ebooks is based on the 12 minor prophets of Old Testament, Hosea through Malachi. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. And you can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. What do we do with the book of Obadiah? How How do we live it out? Just three little applications today. Number one, resolve your family feuds. Be a peacemaker in your family. Not a peacekeeper. We don't need the UN peacekeeping unit here. We peacemakers. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Obadiah, Sovereign Justice. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.